Good morning, everyone. Before we jump into our uh, sermon today, our homily, uh, one just note on the text I want to um, mention. One of the big differences between a lot of our um, brothers and sisters who are not Catholic but are Christian is they tend to think, and not all of them, but the majority of them tend to think that with sacraments, they're merely symbols. So today we had John the Baptist talking about how he baptized with water. And the sense is that it's merely water. And three times in John chapter 1, John the Baptist tells us that his baptism was a symbol. It was a symbol of repentance, water cleansing us from our old ways and us embracing God's commandments. But he says today that when the Messiah comes, when Jesus comes, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The New Testament's really big on this. Uh, Peter preaches on this in Acts of the Apostles, and there's various texts that we don't have time for, but one of the things that marks us different as Catholics is that we believe in sacraments, God actually works. It's not merely symbols. And one of the things that God does in baptism is he gives us the Holy Spirit, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So there's a famous story in my family. I don't know if my aunt's here yet. If she is, she's going to be horrified. Um, But my Aunt Maria, she was always in our family. She'd always want to teach the kids when they were growing up about Christianity and about what it means to be a Catholic. And some of my younger cousins one time, they were sitting with Maria at the table, and there were three of them. And my aunt was asking them about the Trinity. And they were just little kids, and you know, she said, so who can tell me about the Trinity? Who's in the Trinity? And they kind of struggled for a little while. They're like, I don't know, you know, is it, is it Bob, you know? Um, but they finally kind of came to it, and they, uh, one of them said, oh, I remember, it's God, Jesus, and the bird, right? <laughs> which is, which I, I guess that's right. <laughs> and uh, my, the, the other cousin, one of the other ones said, oh, yeah, 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 I forgot to tell you, the Holy Spirit flew by my house three times last week. And I just, I love that story, just the purity of heart of children. But it's also cool because I think what it says to us, we we kind of relate to it because as Christians, isn't it so easy to relate to Jesus? Right, he became a man, he knew what it was like to be hungry and thirsty and tired and frustrated. He loved people. It's just just easy to relate to Jesus. Jesus. It's a little bit tougher with God the Father maybe sometimes, but we kind of get it. You know, we've seen enough pictures of the guy with the beard and like the, you know, all-powerful, and we know that he created the universe out of nothing. But probably the hardest one for us is the Holy Spirit. Isn't it tough? How do we relate to the Holy Spirit? And oftentimes, if you're anything like me, I don't pray enough to the Holy Spirit. It's not something that's as conscious in my Christian life. And brothers and sisters, this morning what I want you to come away with today is that 
The Holy Spirit has to be the center of your life if you're going to live a Christian life. So one of the things that happens, right, is uh, it's so easy for us as Catholics to think we're kind of like everybody else. And there's a great good in that. We should be like everybody else in some sense. But it can feel sometimes like, well, you know, I'm just like my neighbor. We, we, we have kind of similar jobs and uh, <clears throat> similar houses. And, you know, we both have two kids. And I go to work about the same time that he or she does. And we pay our bills. And the only real difference is I believe that this man in the past rose from the dead and so I'm stuck at Lord's for an hour and a half on Sundays, and he sleeps in, right? And it can feel like that. It's like he's a nice guy, he pays his taxes, he tries to live a good life. And maybe as a Christian, we believe a few moral things that other people don't. And Christianity easily becomes kind of two things. It becomes checking boxes, yes, I believe this and this and this. And I try to avoid these sins that maybe the world doesn't. And here's my basic point this morning. If that's the only difference between us and the world, Christianity dies a thousand deaths. It becomes unintelligible. It becomes something we don't understand. It loses its vitality and its life and its joy, if that's what it is. And the real difference, brothers and sisters, what I'm going to really try to invite you to open your hearts to today, the real difference between a Christian and a non-Christian is the Holy Spirit. Those other things are true as well, but if you have the Spirit of God in you, God lives inside of you. And he empowers you to live a radically different life. This is compelling, by the way. Christians should look different. They just should. G.K. Chesterton once famous, famously said that if we're Christians, everything in our life should be subtly different. He used to say that you should be able to tell a Christian by the way he climbs a tree. That we're just that different, right? Now, some of you are that different just because you're weird and goofy, but you were that way before. Um, but we should be that different. And so I remember like when I was in college, and we've all met these people, haven't we? When I was in college, I wasn't really living a Christian life yet when I was a freshman. And I, I somehow, God knows how, thank you, Jesus, somehow I got roped into one of those Bible studies, and I was like, oh my gosh, what am I doing, <laughs> right? And there was this guy in our Bible study named Nate Driscoll, and he drove me absolutely nuts because he was so different. And at first I thought he was faking it because he was, have you ever met someone who's like so nice and like happy all the time? You're like, okay, either you're like on drugs or you know, you're, you're trying to swindle me or something. And I kind of thought that about Nate. But as time passed, I realized it was real. And it wasn't, it wasn't a, just a personality thing. There was something about him that was just different. And Nate, he was, like, oftentimes when I was in conversations, you know, I'd listen to other people, but not really. I'd be waiting to see, like, when they'd stop so I could tell them what I thought, right? I'm sure none of you have ever done that. 
stop judging me. But Nate was real. Nate never wanted to talk about himself. He was genuinely just really interested in other people. And he forgave people, and he was happy, and he served. I, I think I've told this story before. My senior year of college, Nate arranged his schedule to have Fridays off so he could go to um, Seton House, where the missionaries of charity were at the time. And he went and scrubbed toilets for AIDS patients on Fridays. And I was like, I hate you. <laughs> Here's my point, though, brothers and sisters. Christianity is not a set of beliefs. It is that, but it's more. It's not uh, just a moral life. It is that, but it's way more. It's a spirit that animates us to love God, to love other people, and to do it joyfully. And if you don't have the spirit of God, you'll never be able to do it. You just can't. So we can look like everybody else, you know, we can come to Mass on Sundays and, you know, this morning when I made the announcement, you know, if, if there's room in your pew, kind of make room. How did you react? Were you kind of irritated and like, I guess I'll move over. Father Brian will judge me otherwise, you know. We can, we can just drag our feet. And what, what the Bible tells us, brothers and sisters, is that the problem you and I have is not that we don't know what the truth is. And not just us Christians, the whole world. The problem is not a lack of knowledge. No one's going to go to heaven or stand before God on judgment day and say, wait a second, you didn't want me to steal. Dang it, if only I had known, right? No one's going to stand before God on judgment day and say, gosh, I guess you, re you really wanted me to like be nice to people? Oh, if only I had known. No one's going to say that, brothers and sisters. We all know what God wants from us. We just can't do it, can we? We drag our feet. We don't want to love other people. We don't want to forgive. We don't want to let go of grudges. And what the Bible tells us is that the problem with us is not lack of knowledge. It's that our heart is corrupt. And the scriptures tell us that through the Holy Spirit of God, that you and I can have a new heart. Here's what Jesus says in John chapter 7. John 7, 37, Jesus is in the temple and he cries out and he says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart shall flow rivers of living water. Did you hear that promise? The one who believes in me, out of his heart shall flow living waters. Now what does that mean? What are living waters? It goes on. This he said about the Spirit which those who believed in him were to receive. I know what's right. I know what God wants from me. So oftentimes, though, I have a, I have a bad attitude about it. 
and I don't want to change. And I drag my feet and I'd rather just kind of wallow in my own ways. This is all over the New Testament. Brothers and sisters, God wants to give you his spirit, not so that you can pull out of your pocket a list of things to do or not to do, but that you would be alive. That's when people become Christian, by the way. They become Christians when they say, I saw this, this woman. She's just different. I can't quite put my finger on it. It's like Father Drendel, who lived next door to me in the seminary. He was just a saint. And I don't know quite how to ever share that with you. The stories can be fun, but there was just something in Father Drendel that when you left his presence, it was like, wow, I just spent time with God. That's how it felt. God wants to do that to you. He wants to put his spirit inside of you so that you don't drag your feet, you don't do things begrudgingly, you do them joyfully. And so in Galatians, one of the chapters in the Bible that always challenges me so much is Galatians chapter 5. So St. Paul says, if, he says, walk by the spirit and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. God wants to transform us. The flesh in the New Testament is the normal way human beings think and act. Now the works of the flesh are plain. And I was reading this this morning. I was praying in my holy hour. And I was just so convicted. Paul says the works of the flesh are plain. And I was reading this. It says immorality. I'm like, yeah, check. Impurity, check. Licentiousness, check. Licentiousness means it's license. It's when, like, I can just do whatever I want to do. No one's going to tell me how to live my life. I'm going to live the way I want to live. Check. Idolatry. Check. Sorcery. Okay, probably not. Yes. (laughs) Enmity. Check. Strife. Check. Jealousy. Check. Anger. Check. Selfishness. Check. Dissension. Check. Party spirit. Check. Envy. Check. Drunkenness. Not so much. Carousing. Not 100% sure what that means, but probably. Check. (laughs) And the like. The witness, brothers and sisters of history, is that Christianity converted the world, not because it had all the best arguments, it did, but it was because people saw men and women like Mother Teresa. And they said, that's what it's about. And when you look at Mother Teresa, her life was difficult. It's not that God makes your life easy as a Christian, but God wrote the love that is in Jesus Christ onto the heart of Mother Teresa. And when people see that, they say, that's the truth. So Paul goes on, and this is what always scares me. He says this. He says, those who do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And I don't know about you, but I can't live up to that. I just can't. I can't do it. It's too big. I don't have the strength, I don't have the moral rectitude, I don't have the good habits in my life that I should. 
But God's answer to that, brothers and sisters, is not for you and I to grit our teeth and to buckle down. It's to live according to the Holy Spirit. And so Paul goes on, he says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. This is Christianity. And God wants you not just to be happy in heaven, he wants you to be happy right now. He wants you to be so alive, so joyful, that you'll, people will look at you and they'll see Jesus. And here's the secret, brothers and sisters, one of the best kept secrets of Christianity is you already have that. The day you were baptized, God gave you the Holy Spirit. He poured out the Spirit to dwell and live inside of you and to give you the power to live a Christian life. But few of us ever call on that Spirit. Few of us listen to the Spirit. Few of us set our hearts towards God and say, Lord, may the Spirit inflame me to live this way. If you're going to be a Christian, you have to have it. And I want to leave you today with Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 is just, I know it's really, I, I joke about it, but I know it's hard to read the Bible. I know that. But you got to do it anyways. What else are you going to do with your life? Become like a good salesman? Great. That's, that's a good thing. You got to read the Bible. I really challenge you, go home today. Today belongs to Jesus Christ. Today is the day he rose from the dead for you and conquered death. Go home and read Romans 8. It's all about living in the spirit. And here's what St. Paul says, and this is what the practical advice I want to give you. Do you want to live a life where God lives inside of you, where you slowly become a saint? Here's what Paul says. He says, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free. Right, I used to be one of these people, and this is my life. I'm, I'm not totally out yet, but I used to be one of those people. When other people succeeded, I counted that as my failure. Right, other people's good was a sorrow for me. And you live according to lust and anger and jealousy. But the Spirit can set you free from all of that. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. If you want to not be a Christian, here's my best advice to you. You want to not be a Christian, think all the time about the flesh. Think about your own comfort, your own pleasure. Think about the things that you think people owe you and what you deserve. Set your mind on that. If you set your mind on that, you will not live a Christian life. But Paul goes on. Those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Brothers and sisters, God doesn't just want you 
to know things. He doesn't just want you to believe certain things. He wants you to look like his son. He wants you to be the man or the woman who knows how to suffer out of love, who's joyful anyways, who has all those virtues, who is peaceful and patient and kind and generous and good and forgiving and merciful. And the only way you'll ever get there is if the spirit of the living God lives inside of you. And so Jesus, today, Lord, we thank you for our faith. Lord, we thank you for the truths you give us through the church. But Lord, we want to be like you. We want to live in you. We want to be joyful. We want to have faith, hope, and love. Lord Jesus, send us your spirit.